Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! It's the season of town halls, Hammer. Get used to it. We are uh, um, in town hall season. We had the the Republican presidential forum with many of the Republican candidates on Friday, hosted by Tucker Carlson. Among those missing, Donald Trump and Chris Christie. Donald Trump having his own town hall oh. last night, this time with Sean Hannity. Yeah, town hall season. Make sure you've <laughs> got your stockings out, because you never know when Sean Hannity might come down the chimney and <laughs> deliver some pamphlets and propaganda. Um, so Trump did a town hall with Sean Hannity last night. DeSantis had a sit-down recorded conversation with Jake Tapper on CNN. Let's go to Donald Trump here. All right. Donald Trump to Sean Hannity last night on his latest round of legal stuff. No, it bothers me. It bothers me for everybody in this incredible sold-out audience, and it's uh, it bothers you. I got the letter on Sunday night, think of it, and they're in a rush because they want to interfere. It's interference with the election. It's election interference. Never been done like this in the history of our country, and it's a disgrace. What's happening to our country, whether it's the borders or the elections or kinds of things like this where the DOJ has become a weapon for the Democrats, an absolute weapon and it seems that every time my polls you know we're leading by a lot and we're leading by a lot in a place called Iowa a lot not only with the Republicans, but we're leading against Biden by a tremendous amount. They haven't seen anything like it. And they feel, I guess, they want to try and demean and diminish and and uh, frighten people. But they don't frighten us because uh, we're going to make America great again. I love that move to get the crowd pop going, right? That's like what wrestlers do. If they get announced and they come into the ring, wow, we've never had a crowd so hot like the one <laughs> in Indianapolis tonight. <laughs> And everybody goes, yeah, woo! Well, man, look, I mean, this latest investigation, these charges, and we talked about it yesterday, could be pretty serious. I'm reading this uh, Yahoo News article right now as the Justice Department special prosecutor prepares to indict former President Trump. All signs point to criminal charges unseen in American history. Uh, Defrauding the nation with fake electors to sway the 2020 election. Obstructing Congress to stop it from certifying votes. Inciting an insurrection. So, I mean, it could be serious. It could be nothing. We don't know what they look like yet, but there's a strong indication anyway that an indictment is on the way for January 6th, that is. So, part of me is wondering if Donald Trump's inner circle gets word that, yeah, this is bad. They've got evidence. They're threatening to lock you up. Do you think Donald Trump would say, all right, here's the plea deal. I'm not going to run for president. And then I can say it's a big witch hunt and I'm stepping down and they're forcing me to do this. And he ends his campaign. It just sucks though, man. It sucks that American politics, it sucks that the, the weaponization of the department of justice, it just all, that would be awful. No, I, I, I wouldn't. Cause he could ride off into the sunset going, I was leading that primary by a lot. Nobody was close to me, but because of the witch hunt 
even though they might actually have some legitimate stuff against the dude, everybody would win there, right? The Democrats could say, we had enough, we got what we wanted, he took the plea. Trump, Donald Trump himself, not his supporters, but Donald Trump himself, could get out of jail time, all the humiliation that would go along with it, if indeed they had legit evidence, and then he could still play the victim card. I don't know, man. Everybody's against him. The media's against him. Look at this, again, with this Yahoo News article I'm reading. In the two years since the former president's failed coup, some of the nation's top legal minds have analyzed how a federal indictment would read. They're even calling it a... I seem to remember Donald Trump on stage telling people to go home peacefully. Peacefully. If you want to walk over there and protest, do it peacefully. The the last few tweets before he got banned off Twitter, now he's reinstated, were, yeah, no riots. No... Demonstrate peacefully. Respect law enforcement. They're on our side. (sighs) Uh, Here's a little bit more from this town hall last night when... Sean Hannity was kind of bringing up Joe Biden and the fact that Joe Biden clearly lost his fastball a long time ago. It was kind of interesting how Donald Trump doesn't make fun of Joe Biden because of that. Take a listen. So Russia's giving them massive amounts of money. Ukraine's giving them massive amounts of money. And China's giving them massive amounts of money. And then there are many other countries also. It's horrible. It's horrible. They're compromised. Joe Biden is a compromised president. And you know what? Until I got indicted. Until I got indicted, I had such respect for the office of the president. I didn't want to say things. I would do numbers in him and, you know, but not like this. You actually yelled at me once for being too tough on him. No, I thought you were joking too much. I thought you should take it seriously because I think it's a I talked about Joe and his cognitive. He's a cognitive mess. Everyone agree? Yeah. You know, so I... I no, but Sean was making sort of comedy out of it, and I said, honestly, Sean, it's a serious problem, because we have, we're in the nuclear age, and we have a man in charge of our country you were right. who doesn't have a clue, and I said, there's nothing funny about it. Yeah, interesting, and it's a great strategy. Absolutely. I mean, you and I could sit here and laugh about Joe Biden and all his gaffes and uh, uh, falling up the stairs and, and reading off the teleprompter. End of quote. Repeat the line. You know, stuff like that. Right. But Donald Trump, it's a great strategy, saying, no, this is a serious situation. We have a man whose mental capacity is diminished, and he's in charge of the nuclear uh, weapons in this country and uh, in charge of foreign policy. This is a real serious thing, and it's not funny. The one thing that still bothers me a little bit about Donald Trump is that he doesn't seem to be all in on trying to get early voting, mail-in voting, ballot harvesting going for the Republican Party. I want to play you a soundbite here. I think we have a couple. Sean Hannity, to his credit, was trying to get Donald Trump to buy into that, and he just doesn't sound like he's into it. Republicans have been reluctant and resistant towards early voting, mail-in voting, and and they've also been resistant towards legal ballot harvesting, which Democrats have mastered, which is why they can hide in their basement, run hundreds of millions of dollars in ads, and, and never answer a press question or shake a hand or kiss a baby or do a town hall. My question is, do you now encourage and embrace early and voting, voting by mail, and legal ballot harvesting? 
I do, but I also have to say something else, because the one thing a lot of people, but this is important including you, do. don't talk about, they also create phony ballots, and that's a real problem. That's my opinion. But they create a lot of phony ballots. Has your mind shifted? In other words, I think if Republicans start out election day down 200, 300, 500,000 votes, that's, that becomes nearly impossible to catch up with. And that's what we've been saying. You don't have yeah. to like what happens, but you got to play the game. you got to fight fire with fire here. Here's a little bit more of that back and forth. The one thing we have to be very careful of is phony ballots. Everything you say is great, but they create ballots. That's my opinion, and that's the opinion of a lot of people. Will you encourage your voters, based on the system we have, to ha go along with the system of early voting and voting by mail. Because I, I, I think if you don't, you it's a big mistake. No, no, no. I will, but those ballots get lost also, Sean. You know, they send them in <laughs> and all of a sudden they're gone. Those ballots get lost also. The answer is I will because you would like it. <laughs> if it'll right, shut fine. you up, Sean, <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah, close your yapper. Yeah, fine. Whatever it takes to get you to shut up. So that was Donald Trump yeah. doing his town hall last night. Meanwhile, CNN, when they weren't having a conversation with Ron DeSantis, they went into panic mode. They had the breaking news sounder. They were freaking out because Jack Smith, the special counsel, the man trying to bring down Donald Trump, went to Subway. <laughs> Jack Smith can't resist a $5 footlong. That's according to what we see right there, new and exclusive CNN video of the special counsel <laughs> at Subway. Declining, though, to respond to reporters' questions about today's big news. Jack Smith going to Subway today is a message to Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald message. Trump tries to intimidate people. He tries to bully people. He tries to scare you away. That was Jack Smith with no words and a simple $5 sub in his hand saying, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, the imagery was, <laughs> uh, was intentional and spoke volumes. That's not a parody. That's something real. The, that happened the, on the air. They're saying the special prosecutor going to Subway and walking out with a $5 sandwich is a message to Donald Trump. <laughs> that's how derangement, that's, that's how weird and deranged these people are and obsessed with Donald Trump. They're looking for any excuse to come at the guy. And the only thing they could come up with was, yeah, he went to Subway. That means he's here and he's not going anywhere and your insults don't work. Now, let me eat my turkey and cheese, please. <laughs> You know, can you imagine Donald Trump sitting there at Trump Tower? Maybe he's at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> yeah. and you hear all of a sudden, "Mr. President, Mr. <laughs> President, this is serious. What? What happened? <laughs> Sit down. You're not. You're not. Might not be ready for this." <laughs> Jack Smith went to Subway. <laughs> oh, my God. Subway. <laughs> Call the lawyers. Everybody gather around. We need a meeting for this right now. This is DEFCON 1. He went to Subway. <laughs> so ridiculous. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Show. 
My name is Nigel, Jason Hammer, right over there with a couple of special guests in the studio that brought us gifts. They brought us bourbon. Wow. When we heard okay. that Indy's premier bourbon celebration was happening, we thought, now this is a cause that we can get behind. And we've got uh, Jody Blankenship here. He's the CEO of the Indiana Historical Society. And, of course, our friend, American hero, Brian Alvey. Gentlemen, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel hey Show. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be back. Jody, that's a cool gig. The, what, what's the, the title now? My, my title, Your title, I'm the president and CEO. That is awesome. Right? How, do you, how does one get to become president and CEO of the Indiana Historical Society? Well, it's I mean, years of schooling and good <laughs> fundraising. Yeah. Do you get right to decide it. what's history and what's not when it comes to this kind of stuff? Not quite. I've got a team of people <laughs> top-notch. They tell me I trust them, and we we footnote everything. It's just not often we're in the presence of uh, a dignified individual. We, <laughs> right. we were recently just hey, described. Hey, hey, uh, hey, sorry, Brian. Hey. I, I know Brian, Brian's been with us a long time, but... You know, we were recently described as, quote, shock jocks in the newspaper, which is an antiquated 90s term for a radio personality. It's not every day we get to hang out with presidents and CEOs of of, uh, of distinguished uh, association. You know what I mean? <laughs> well. So tell me about the premier bourbon celebration. How is the Historical Society involved in this? I know why Brian Alvey is involved yeah. in this. How did you get in this? Well, actually, the Indiana Historical Society has been running this for several years now. We started out doing this, oh gosh, I want to say back in 20, maybe 15. And we took a year off for COVID. Then we had to get our legs underneath us. Well, it's back again. And so we've got some great distilleries coming in. You can come and uh, taste some fantastic bourbons. And hey, it's a historic drink, right? Right. So, you know, we were We're drinking for history. That's what we're doing around (laughs) here. There you go. And in fact, all the proceeds from this event go to educational programs because we want to teach those kids some more history. Yeah. I like it. Right. We're I drinking you, for the kids, and we're drinking for history. I thought Jody was going to say we're going we're gonna to raise money so kids could drink bourbon. <laughs> well, you know what? I brought in a rye whiskey from Four Fingers Distillery right here in Indianapolis, Indiana today that, that we were sharing. And I, I picked their rye whiskey for a reason, because that's the official whiskey of the state of Indiana. This is the Indiana Historical Society. So that's why I went with the rye whiskey, not the bourbon today. Okay. Right? Usually All right. I go to, so. Now, when is this big extravagant event? Well, the event's going to happen on Friday, July 28th from 7 to 10 at the Indiana Historical Society. We're right downtown, 450 West Ohio Street. We've got dedicated parking, so you don't have to worry about driving around town looking for parking. It's right there at the building. You pull on in, come on inside. Well, I've, we've been there. That's where we've had the night with WIBC. Yes, you yes, got yes. It. You know where it is? Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful place yeah. to have something like that. We're this. also bringing a cool addition. This uh, They've done it once before. How, first of all, how is Brian Alvey involved in all this? Well, Jody can speak to that. Sure. Well, we were looking to get this thing restarted after the COVID years. And somebody said, if you want to work with somebody who knows how to do this, it's Brian Alvey. So we Boom. got a call. So he wasn't said, just like passed out outside and you said, hey, just come up to the studio with <laughs> us. Like, no, no, it no, wasn't no. like that. No, it was over here in the circle where I was sleeping <laughs> with the rest of half, half of it. Well, uh, joking aside, yeah. you've been uh, doing a lot of stuff involving bourbons and whiskeys for mm-hmm. a lot of great organizations. This is nothing new to you. No, uh, this, you know, we do. I do with the Lights Out Bourbon with the Moondrops Distillery, and then I also, you know, do a lot of fundraising for the Warrior 110, obviously, where I'm the president and CEO. And first, you asked how does one become that? The first yes. thing I had to do is figure out how to spell CEO. So I got that down. Um, right. But what, we, what we're doing now that we're really proud of, I've got the uh, Ray Modlin from the Cigar Club of Indiana is coming in, and we're running a cigar patio there 
there as well. So people will be able to come beautiful out and enjoy some there. cigars on that beautiful patio, yep. looking over the canal. It's going to be really nice. So whiskey, cigars, auction items are going to be a lot of things up for silent auction. That I are love a impressive. good silent auction, oh, man. You ought to see the stuff we've assembled, too. So silent auctions and 50-50 raffles. That's how you sucker me into yeah. stuff right there. <laughs> Any well, bingo going on? Uh, <laughs> any, we do uh, have a special. Center? Jody was going to point out, we do have a special for your listeners and your listeners only. That's right. uh, go ahead and tell them. Yeah, so just for your listeners, because we like you guys, they can get $50 off the admission for price by just entering. When you go online, go to indianahistory.org slash bourbon, or just click on the bourbon banner. Go there. When you ask you for your discount code, put in 50, five, zero, off, O-F-F. Nice. Five, zero, awesome. O-F-F. Get 50 bucks off the ticket price and come on in at a discount. Five, now, what's zero, the uh, dress attire for this kind of thing? Like Dress attire is whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We're not snobs like that. You can you can wear whatever you like. Just uh, you know, enjoy your time there. Apparently, so shows up in his Beach Grove uh, sexual champions uh, bowling t-shirt. <laughs> that's that's okay, right? Uh, okay. Well, it's better than that. And he just shows up without it on. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, this is awesome. July twenty eighth, uh, seven to ten at the uh, Indiana Historical Center, and there's also a VIP experience you could add on. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, Brian, why don't you tell him a little bit about that? You know, well, it's, it's 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 super cool uh, partners because I came in to help uh, do this with uh, with a f- good friend of ours, friend of your guys is Susan Decker. Yeah. She, she and I have sure. went 50, 50 partners on this together to make sure we hit a home run for these guys. But she reached out to one of her near and dear to her heart clients with St. Elmo's. So St. Elmo's is doing the VIP experience upstairs where they're going to do like, here's how you make these cocktails. And then they'll have some really good St. Elmo's appetizers to nosh on. Uh, I'm sure the shrimp cocktail will be there. Oh, man. Not just be, the best. But they're going to bring in one of their top-notch um, bartenders to do kind of a tutorial. Here's how you make this drink. Here's how you make this drink. And and, and they're obviously going to probably use a lot of their their signature products. But that so that 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 to, in itself to me is worth the whole VIP experience. Lots of bourbon there. to sample. July so go up there. Right? You get in. You come in early at VIP at six for an hour. You go upstairs and then you know kind of hit all these distilleries. There's going to be you know hoagies and hops is going to have some food. Oh, there. Christina. Yeah, yeah Christina's going to be there. We've got um, Brad Kloppenstein's got his uh, beer coming in, and that's going to be neat. That's uh, awesome. How can people get tickets? Where can we go to uh, get tickets? Right, you can come to our website, IndianaHistory.org/bourbon, and you can buy the tickets right from the website. And do the promo code right, fifty fifty off, off. fifty five off, zero off. Five zero off. Well, gentlemen, this is awesome. Yeah, uh, cheers, for those guys. who have a drink in here, let me do this. Our listener Missy sends us a tweet here. Hey guys, do something for my dad. He passed away this morning. Bourbon oh was his God. favorite. We'll drink so, that. in honor of Missy's dad, cheers on three. One, two, three. Cheers. cheers. Oh, so good. Delicious. When it hits your lips, man, I can't wait for this. Uh, Jody and, of course, our friend Brian, thank you guys so much for thank coming you. in. Thank you. Thank Stay you, sir. Nigel you guys. Show. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, Hammer, big house hearing going on right now on the Biden criminal probe. Whistleblowers telling all. We already knew one of the IRS whistleblowers' names. His name's Gary Shapley. Uh, the other guy, Mr. X, is revealed as a 13-year veteran and a gay Democrat. 
named Joseph Ziegler. And of course, this all has to do with uh, Hunter Biden not paying taxes on his Burisma income and tales of the influence peddling schemes that have been happening, uh, allegations through throughout the past years with this family. And a lot of people will say, why are you focusing so much on Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden's not the president. Hunter Biden isn't an elected official. It's not even really about Hunter Biden here. It's following the money. It's did the big guy, his dad, Joe Biden, bribe, take bribes? Was he on the take? Did he use special privileges to keep his family out of all types of different situations? What was given in return? The last time I checked, China doesn't just write $5 million checks and doesn't expect anything in return. So here's a little bit of the action from earlier today. Uh, Gary Shapley on his motivation to come forward as a whistleblower. There's no benefit for me blowing the whistle on this case, absolutely none. I have no book deal, and the only money that goes into my bank account every two weeks is from my employment for the federal government. And I think it's interesting he brings that up because so often, so many high-profile hearings, somebody's got a book deal coming out or a paid interview somewhere. This is a dude that works at the IRS and said, what's happening here is pretty corrupt, and I want to tell somebody. Here's his explanation of how a lot of the stuff went down. The Justice Department allowed the president's political appointees to weigh in on whether to charge the president's son. After United States Attorney for D.C., Matthew Graves, appointed by President Biden, refused to bring charges in March 2022, I watched United States Attorney Weiss tell a room full of senior FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7th, 2022, that he was not the deciding person on whether charges were filed. That was my red line. And what's consistent about both of these guys, uh, Shapley and X, now known as uh, Ziegler, their stories have been consistent from the very beginning. There hasn't been some sort of moment of, well, you said this before, and now you're saying something different. Everything has been on the up and up. Here is Ziegler. I will also note that while the impression has been conveyed by the U.S. attorney in Delaware that he has similar powers to that of a special counsel in this case, free reign to do as needed, that was not the case. It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation. So, in other words, the Department of Justice uh, was, as he said, hamstringing the special counsel's uh, ability to bring any charges against Hunter Biden. Right. I mean, that's basically what it is. And who do you think made that happen? This is what I meant earlier when I say it's not really about Hunter Biden. Who do you think made the orders, the, you know, phone calls to say, hey, go easy on him? I got money. That's coming from the big guy. And hopefully we're going to find out. Here's a little bit more about what exactly Hunter Biden got away with from the IRS. Thus, as I read the public documents as the Department of Justice action against Hunter Biden, there is nothing that indicates Hunter Biden will be required to amend his false tax return for 2018. A false tax return that includes proper deductions, improper deductions for prostitutes, sex clubs, and his adult children's tuition. 
Yes, he was using hookers as deductions. <laughs> Not exactly the smartest guy. I mean, he knows he could get away with it, and he did basically get away with it. What, they got slapped up, got, got, got pled down to a misdemeanor? Finally, after years and years of investigating this, which doesn't sound too complicated anyway, Years and years of, of, of being told and being rebuffed, uh, no, we're not going to move forward with these charges. It all got reduced down to misdemeanors. Maybe Joe Biden was right. Not a day in jail. Maybe Hunter Biden is the smartest guy he right. knows. He got away with writing off hookers. <laughs> I mean, we sit here and laugh at him and say that's ridiculous. No, it's but true. He's going to skate on it. Maybe Joe Biden was right. Um, if you know anything at all about this program we're not big on national polls what we are keen on though are state polls because that is how we pick the president of the united states it's individual states it's not a big national deal so when state polls come out i pay a little bit more attention there's a new one from new hampshire this is a new university of new hampshire poll on primary GOP voters, so just Republicans, folks that vote in the primary from an early state, and even with all of the new headlines surrounding Donald Trump, he's sitting at 37% as to where DeSantis is at 23%, and then it drops off a cliff. Uh, Tim Scott, 8%, Christie at 6%, and then you get into the also ranks. Wait, where's Pence? Uh, that would be at 1%, Nige. You're telling me Chris Christie, in in New Hampshire anyway, is above Mike Pence? 6% oh, for Chris guy. Christie, 1% for Mike Pence in New Hampshire. Now, another key swing wow. state, it's not an early state, but it's a key swing state in the grand scheme of things, is Georgia. Keep in mind, it was diehard red for a long time. But the last couple of years, it's gone pretty blue from a national level. The presidency, the Senate, they have a Republican governor, Brian Kemp. Here he is on the chances that Georgia could eventually come back to the Republicans. Well, yes, I think Joe Biden could win Georgia, but also think he can lose Georgia. So my goal is to make sure that he loses it. And I think any Republican that we have running for president right now or anybody that may get in the race in the future, if anybody does, can beat Joe Biden if they stay focused on the future, if they tell the American people why they should vote for us or what we're for, and then we have a candidate that can put, you know, put an effort together to win our state. I mean, that's... You can't govern, Bill, if you don't win. And that's my goal is is to be able to win. And, you know, we, we got a lot of distractions that are going on right now, which is not helpful for us beating Joe Biden. <laughs> Every time I hear Kemp, you, you know what I'm thinking of, right? You know Are you talking about quite possibly one of the greatest campaign <laughs> commercials of all time? I'm Brian Kemp. I'm so conservative. I blow up government spending. I own guns. No one's taken away. <laughs> My chainsaw's ready to rip up some regulation. Here it comes. I got a big truck. There it is. Just in case I need to round up criminal illegals and take them home myself. <laughs> yep, I just said that. 
<laughs> and, and that got him elected. He won with that. <laughs> that was a winning campaign commercial right there. I, I got a big truck going to round up some illegals in case I need to take them home. <laughs> I'm a two, he's, he's actually the complete opposite of Shreve. Like, he's firing guns in right. his campaign commercials. Jefferson, running for mayor of Indianapolis, is saying, I was going to take your guns away from you. Like, does Jefferson Shreve <laughs> know how to operate a chainsaw? Because I know Brian Kemp does, because he fired that bad boy up during the commercial. Um, Ukraine, Nige, they have jailed a senior Orthodox uh, cleric. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what did you say? Ukraine is jailing... Uh, Orthodox clerics, a senior figure figures. in the Ukrainian Orthodox Church (UOC) was placed in pre-trial detention and is facing charges for voicing opinions deemed too pro-Russian. His bail is nearly nine hundred thousand dollars, and he could remain jailed for well over a month. I, I don't believe it. And you know why I don't believe it? Because Pence said it wasn't going on, I believe. I mean, he said, didn't, well, when he was talking with Tucker, he sat down and said, no, Ukraine's not jailing religious figures at all. But I sincerely wonder how a Christian leader could support the arrest of Christians for having different views. Well, what, what, what I can tell you is I asked the Christian leader in Kiev if that was in fact happening, and he assured me that it was not. People were not being persecuted for their oh. religious beliefs. Okay. I can't let you elide over the question of the treatment of Christians. I, I know. I, I heard and that would again. You be, well, no, but hold on. Would you, you, would you problem be is you don't accept my answer. I just told you that I asked the religious leader in Kiev if it was happening. You asked me if I raised the issue, and I did. And I'm saying I also raised it with the Ukrainians, and I was told that there are. Don't you think? Let me explain to you what I think our national interest is there. I would think you would have greater concern for religious liberty in Ukraine. And I'm surprised. I, I by told your you answer. I raised the issue of religious liberty. No, you spoke to one person who's clearly on one side of it. <laughs> spoke to a guy. Many, many news reports that are not disputed by anybody that right. many clergy have been arrested in Ukraine. And I'm merely saying I may not agree with their views. I'm not Russian Orthodox, but you can't arrest clergy for having different views. Period. Update: They are. <laughs> and Tucker was right. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, right now, Taco Bell is inviting fans to select the fun sayings for their sauce packets. Oh, okay. Different, different little jokes and sayings and limericks and things on the side of these sauce packets. So, Do you use you the can, sauce packets? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't get to Taco Bell as often as I should, but damn it, when I do, I mix the hot and the mild. Oh, okay. I, I do a little mix. You're a mixologist. So let's, that's right. <laughs> Taco Bell sauce packets, I am, for your damn right. <laughs> so let's fire up the artificial intelligence. Okay. Okay, you ready? Let's do it. Hey, Google, give us some brutally honest sayings for Taco Bell sauce packets. Here you go. If Taco Bell sayings for their spicy sauces were brutally honest, Taco Bell sauces, get ready to crank up your ceiling fan. Taco Bell sauces, dare to take your intestines on a wild and fiery ride. Taco Bell sauces, spice it up and make every bite caliente. Oops, sorry. Make that every butt. 
Caliente <laughs> and Taco Bell spicy sauces. Get ready to heat up your taste buds and ignite your toilet. <laughs> Jesus. Were the sound effects necessary? <laughs> Good lord. So. Good god. I mean, I, I'm assuming the sound effects sounded like they were sauce packets opening, but it also could have been something else. Can't quite put my finger yeah. on it, nor do I want to. <laughs> but this takes us to great moments in Taco Bell history. Oh, yeah? Who could forget the viral video of the woman in the drive-thru late at night behind somebody who ordered 300 bucks worth of food? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo! The reason this line is so motherfucking Speaking to that line to me was better than Braveheart firing up the troops. Freedom! Yo, the reason this line is so bleep bleep long. Like she's the line captain. She took oh, the leadership man. reins, and I respect the hell out it's of that. Making me hungry for some chalupas. That's my standard, by the way. If I am uh, going into a Taco Bell drive-thru, I haven't been in, in several months, but Taco Bell, uh, Chalupa Supreme, so make the taco soft, make that supreme as well. Mountain Dew. First of all, I don't believe you. I don't believe that don't it's believe been, been months that it's you've been, been through I, a Taco Bell drive-thru. You drink all the time, and people who drink <laughs> go to Taco Bell. So I'm sorry, but as Ron Burgundy once said, I, I don't, don't believe, believe you. you. Uh, Dateline California, dozens of dachshunds raced for the title of fastest wiener dog in the West. I don't like dachshunds. They're kind of jerks, aren't they? Uh, here are a couple of attendees talking about how much they enjoy a good old-fashioned wiener dog race. We have the fastest wiener in the West contest here in the 26th annual Wiener Schnitzel Wiener Nationals. So insane. There's so many wiener dog people, and wiener dog people are just the best people. Everybody's so supportive. And everybody's so happy that you know to see to see her finish, and it's just one really big wiener dog family. <laughs> you know, we just played that clip because she said wiener a lot. That's 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 the mentality of the show, right? I mean, we should. Is, did Alfie leave any extra whiskey? We could pl take a drink every time she said wiener. <laughs> I feel like Matt Bear should file copyright infringement on somebody else being fastest wiener in the West. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! My name is Nigel. I get a little worried every time we have our next guest on at the top of the hour. Hammer is right over there with a special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. Marcus Bailey is a meteorologist for Wish TV 8. Marcus, I'm not one for hyperbole. Sure. But from what I've been told, tomorrow... Hurricanes, tornadoes, what? snakes <laughs> falling from the sky, flooding, power outages. We're expecting just total devastation tomorrow. Not again. Do I have this correct? I'm, I'm, 
I, like, I, I keep hoping that one of these days you're going to bring me on and it's, I'm not going to have to be like Eeyore or something. It's like Nigel's like, oh, great. Here's, I, feel like, uh, I feel like Newman off of Seinfeld. You're the Newman of meteorology. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, what's up, guys? Um, yeah, there's another round of, of storms coming in tomorrow. Um, we have a, they're under, we're under a, a slight risk. We do it on a categorical, categorical scale of one to five. We're at a level two. Uh, so that's, that's a little elevated. Um, the air is going to be super juicy. If you've been outside recently, you kind of feel it. It's a little muggy, um, and it's going to only get a little more humid between now and tomorrow. And you combine that with a cold front that's going to kind of sweep through the state. I think it's going to trigger some thunderstorms. Probably in the second half of the day, I'm thinking window of opportunity could start as early as lunchtime, so around noon. And I would, I, I, the way I see it now, it looks like we could be done with that that window maybe around or just after dinner time. Wind and hail are going to be the primary concern. I'm not going to rule out a tornado threat. I think there's maybe a little bit of spin up, but I don't think that's going to be the the main concern. And if it is, it's probably going to be closer, maybe Fort Wayne and northeast northeastern Indiana. Dude, a couple of days ago when the storms rolled through, at least in Boone mm-hmm. County, hail everywhere. Oh, yeah. The size of marbles. But, I mean, they weren't giant pieces of hail, but it, it looked like it snowed on our back deck. It's, it, it, when you get to this time of year, you get what we call these elevated storms. And when that happens, obviously, the air gets cooler the higher up you get, right? And so that's where you get these uh, hailstones to form. And we've had a lot, again, you know, a lot of juice in the atmosphere. The humidity has been high. You get a lot of lift. And so that's where you get some of those hailers. And uh, we've had a, we've had a few rounds of those um, over the last, what, couple, well, really the last four weeks when we kind of really ramped up the, the weather yeah. pattern. It's been quite active. Had several wind damage issues, too, over the last couple of weeks, too. So it might be in for another round tomorrow. So, Marcus, I know we're still 24-plus hours yeah. away and anything could happen, but we're talking about afternoon drive tomorrow could be in play for some nasty stuff. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. I, I, you know, it's a, a lot of it all depends on, you know, when do these storms initiate. And, and, and this time of year and a lot of these setups um, – you know, it, it's all driven by the heating of the day. And, you know, they, they maximize with that, that prime heating of the day, which typically happens, you know, mid to late afternoon. But I think we're going to be hot enough, guys, uh, tomorrow as early as lunchtime. That's going to really kind of help things kind of kind of uh, get going. Um, so it could happen as early as noon, may get delayed a little bit into the mid to late afternoon. But you're right. The, the evening drive in jeopardy. It's not a guarantee but something you want to keep in mind uh, for the drive home tomorrow. Last thing here before we let you go. Again, we're chatting with Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV. You mentioned something about a uh, cold front coming through tomorrow. Are we talking about a couple days where maybe in the evening we could open up the windows? Oh, yeah. I, this is going to be really refreshing. I mean, we're going to peak. It's going to be really tropical tomorrow, guys. I mean, one of the more muggy days I think we forecasted at least – for a little while here. The humidity is going to be awfully high tomorrow. But that cold front will clean the air out, and I think we'll get some relief as early as tomorrow night. So I have highs in the upper 80s tomorrow. When you factor in the humidity, before the storms come in, it could be like feels like temperatures mid to upper 90s. It's going to be rough. But cool down coming by Friday, overnight lows when you wake up Friday morning around 60, highs around 80 on Friday, the humidity much lower, and probably a similar setup for Saturday and Sunday too. So the, the, the three-day stretch Friday and into the weekend, 
looks really, really nice. It's going to feel real good, too. Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV 8. Marcus, as always, thank you. Thanks, fellas. So, Nige, that bag of cocaine (laughs) that was found at the White House, that nobody knows who it was, even though it was near the Situation Room, it just happened to be the one area where there's no video. A congressman, a guy from Tennessee, Tim Burkett, he says that uh, he was briefed about the whole situation and that the Secret Service... They destroyed the drugs. They burned up and got rid of all the blow, as well as the DNA evidence that was on the bag before anybody could really do an investigation. They destroyed all the DNA evidence because apparently when they went in and got the bag, they treated it as a biological entity and for some reason destroyed it because, uh, you know, to me, it just seems like they would go in there with the hazmat suits on, put it in a protective bag, take it to a lab for analysis. But instead, apparently they blew the thing up. Um, And it's just it's just a complete joke and a nightmare. It's almost like they knew whose it was and what it was from the beginning. Oh, boy. Yeah, looks like Hunter left his uh, <laughs> little baggie of Coke in the uh, cubby there. Um, yeah, let's just call it anthrax and destroy it. we got to destroy it. It's Put dangerous. your hazmat suits on, go through the whole thing, and just burn it. Yeah, I mean, imagine if it had been anthrax and they did that, then you eliminate all possibility of ever finding out or tracing back or who, you know, fingerprints or anything like that. I don't, is that the protocol? If they found, if they find an envelope of anthrax is to just immediately destroy it and thereby destroying any chance of tracing it back to whose it might be. Or did they call Hunter right away? <laughs> hey, is this yours? Oh, hell, I left it. It's not in my pockets. He's like feeling around like we do when we lose our keys. Yeah. That's what Hunter was doing about his bag of blow. <laughs> Oh, damn. I do it every day when I walk out the door. I know I'm forgetting something. Only this time, instead of keys, it was Coke. Correct. (laughs) And once Hunter probably said, yeah, if you could go ahead and just get rid of that. (laughs) Help me undo me a solid and just get rid of that. That'd be great. (laughs) I mean, this whole thing is such a Mickey Mouse operation. We're still talking about it. And the way that the Democrats are treating this, like they're rubbing it right in your face here. So Democrat rep Daniel Goldman, he's the guy that kind of looks like a young Al Bundy, Daniel Goldman. Okay. Uh, He says that there is a two-tiered system of justice and it unfairly forced Hunter Biden to accept a plea deal. His angle is that, yes, there is a two-tier system of justice, and it's designed to go after Hunter Biden. I'm shocked that Hunter (laughs) Biden was even charged with these crimes. If you look at the history of civil and criminal enforcement of tax issues, and just look at Roger Stone's case, uh, he he effectively did the same thing as Hunter Biden, and he simply paid a fine. So the fact that he's even taking a plea deal, in my mind, demonstrates a two-tiered system of justice against Hunter Biden, not at all in favor of Donald Trump or the Republicans. How can you say that with a straight face? Uh, uh, wait a minute. He, exp- he 
explain this to me again. So Al he, Bundy saying, there says that because Hunter Biden had to do a plea deal when most people just get a slap on the wrist and a fine and get told to, you know, kick no, rocks. that's BS. It's the complete opposite. Felony tax evasion and gun charges. Who was the rapper that said, I, I went to jail for three years for what Hunter Biden did? I can't remember his name. Uh, it's the complete opposite. I'm sorry, I was so dumbfounded there. I was like, no, I couldn't. Did I hear that right? I mean, that's a hell of a spin. Like, <laughs> it sure is. What he, he's putting on his tie and he's looking in the mirror. <laughs> I wonder if he's rehearsing that. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to tell people that there is a two tier system of justice <laughs> and the victim is Hunter Biden. Wow. Quite a strategy. That takes some cojones there, Al Bundy. It's okay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. These aren't major headline stories. These are kind of quirky backstage, I'm sorry, back page stories. Right. You tell me if they're anything or not. Is this anything? Charles Barkley offered to buy a round of drinks at a Lake Tahoe bar recently. But he used his generosity to send a message. Okay. Here is what he said to the crowd. I'm going to buy some drinks for y'all. And I'm going to buy Bud Light. Hey, and let me tell you something. All you rednecks are who don't oh. want to drink Bud Light. Because let me tell you something, if y'all fire me and give me all that money, I'm going to be playing golf every day. So listen, as I said last night, if you're gay, God bless you. If you're trans, God bless you. And if you have a problem with them, you. Uh, no, this is nothing. So I, I don't know what the other words he was saying there that were beeped out. I heard redneck. So so you're a redneck if you don't like the fact that the marketing person who put Dylan Mulvaney uh, as an influencer for Bud Light said they want to get rid of their fratty customer base. I'm a redneck because I decided I didn't like that and don't want to drink the beer anymore. Is According that, is to that Charles, Charles Barkley, Barkley is essentially that's saying? Yes. I mean... I'm with him. God bless you if you're gay. God bless you if you're trans. It has nothing to do with me. Don't push it on my kids in schools and you'll be fine. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, I, like, but I still submit to you. I, I mean, Bud Light did not sell cans with Dylan Mulvaney, who was that weird dude that, that pretends to be a little girl. They did not sell cans of Bud Light with his picture on it. They just gave... They just gave him some cans with his picture on it to promote 
on Instagram. Or to whatever. promote being I, a, quote, woman for 365 days. Yeah, right. To commemorate, which is woke and stupid, and it, it doesn't make any sense. And I, it's all a grift. I think he's a fraud to begin with. And the real reason I still submit to you is, what's her name? Heider Schneid! I think... <laughs> That is the marketing executive who has been since fired from Bud Light, decided to go on a podcast and say- Alyssa Heinerschneid. I think you're adding an N in there. I think it's Heinerscheid, but whatever. Heinerschneid, Heinerscheid. Same difference to me. It doesn't matter. But when they lost their customer base, when they lost is when she went on that podcast and crapped all over the people that buy her beer. She said it was too fratty. Right? Like, we need to change. We don't want those NFL football-watching, red-blooded, middle-class Americans. We want a different type of people. Well, guess what? Just because you were enabled in college by your gender studies teacher just because you were enabled in board meetings by people saying yes that's great doesn't mean that crap flies with middle america not only that but heiner schneid or whatever her name was (laughs) i can't i can't i lost my train of thought after that (laughs) oh she was pictured in college doing some of the same fratty stuff that you would be associated with that kind of behavior Right. Uh, She's chugging beers and doing all types of things, right? So, yeah. And it's interesting. Ice Cube went on, I think it was Joe Rogan's podcast. They were talking about the whole Bud Light situation here. And really, it's just a matter of knowing your market compared to what your personal beliefs are, right? The audience for Bud Light are football-watching people. Bud Light sponsors the NFL. Yeah. Bud Light sponsored the NFL draft. Uh, it's a big part of who they are. And Heidenstein <laughs> thought, well, you know what? That sucks. I want Dylan Mulvaney to be the face of this organization and <laughs> supply and demand. Didn't work out so well No, Heidenstein. Nobody was saying that she deserves... Heinerschneid deserved to be canceled. It was just simply a matter of supply and demand. All right. (laughs) Is this anything? Brian Adams was doing a concert in Salt Lake City earlier this month when a fan jumped on stage and started to sing Summer of 69. Oh, please. Here's Brian doing the first line, the fan doing the next two, then the fan gets laughed off stage as security drags him away. Get off the stage, you doofus. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really nothing. And, and really shame on Brian Adams for letting that guy up there and ruin the song in the first place. It's his signature song. Right. That's like the song everybody knows and everybody wants to sing along with. I want to hear Brian Adams sing along. Maybe if you want to get the crowd, like he, he was silent on the mic there for a minute and the crowd was singing along. That's fine. Because that's what some- he does in concert. Like when he was here at Carb Day, you hear that iconic opening guitar sure, riff. Sure. And then he says, I bought my first real six string. The crowd sings along for yes. a little bit. Then he jumps yeah. back in with the summer of 69. I don't need some drunk idiot on stage. Uh, singing along. No, that completely would ruin it for me. <laughs> I need drunk idiots in the crowd. That's what we need. Uh, last one here. Is this anything? A Nigerian man 
temporarily went blind after attempting the Guinness World Record for the longest cry. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. Here's a bit of his attempt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's something that's awesome. Uh, and he went blind trying to go for the longest cry, the Guinness Book of World Records. That's definitely something. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's better? Let me ask you, uh, Allison, we'll get you involved in this. What's better, that or the chick that set the world record for the lowest note? La, 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 <laughs> la, 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 la. Which do you like better? I think I like the cry guy. Knowing that he went blind, I think he that's a little bit uh that's big time right there. Allison, uh, can you please Try to attempt right now to set the world's record for the lowest note. <laughs> it's better than the cry. La 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 la. Yeah! I think you beat it right there. There it is. Uh, real quick before we go to a break, Nigel, I want you to look at our Twitter feed. I want you to see the latest tweet that I posted. I just want to get your thoughts on it. Okay, hold on. Let At me put, Hammer and Nigel. Let me put my readers on here. Heiner Schneider. <laughs> to see what Nigel's laughing at. I love it. Follow us on Twitter. Oh, I love it. At Hammer and Nigel. Hammer and Nigel. They should have been fired a long time ago. I think we got a show. Oh, yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh, yeah! Got an update from the Indy 500. Scary moment there at the Indy 500 this year, Hammer, when, who was it, Kyle Kirkwood? His, was it his car? The rear tire flew off? Yes. And then went into, the tire actually went up over the stands and into a parking lot and hitting a woman's car, totaling it. And it was a scary moment because that, something similar happened, I believe, in the late 80s or 90s where a fan from Michigan died when a, right. a tire went into the state. It was a very scary moment. It right? was so lucky that that tire landed on a woman's car. Now, the woman who owns the car probably doesn't agree, but had that landed in the stands, somebody could have been killed. Absolutely. And it was a scary moment. But when, those tires aren't supposed to do that in the first place. I thought right. they fixed that after They're the They're tethered to the chassis. They're not supposed to be able to do that. But IndyCar determined that the material it uses for the tethers did not fail, but instead the tire flew off due to, quote, an unusual and never experienced set of circumstances. So, I mean, it was really the perfect type of angle and way that the other car hit the tire that popped it off. That happened, I mean, right down the stretch for me because I was sitting right at I was a little bit past the start finish line underneath the roof there I forget what it's called it's the, the pagoda the, sure uh, um, start and, finish area yeah and and I looked down and I saw that and and I saw it go over the 
stands, and I was like, holy crap. It was over by turn two. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty scary. Well, it turns out that it was a wheel nut issue, and moving forward, an upgraded wheel nut is going to be distributed to all Indy cars starting immediately for this weekend's race. Oh, wow. Series officials said that the strength of the new rear wheel bearing um, has been increased by 60% compared to what they used at the Indianapolis 500 in May. Yeah. I don't know what any of that means. Just as long as it doesn't happen again and they figured out the problem, then good for them. Right. The yeah. good Lord was blessing Indianapolis that day because has had that tire flown in the stands with that many people, that could have been just disaster. Uh Donald Trump, of course, got a lot of legal stuff going on. And one of his rivals turned friends is Ted Cruz. Now, at one point, Lion Ted, (laughs) Donald Trump referred to Ted Cruz as Lion Ted, made fun of his wife, did a number of kind of horrible things. Holds that Bible high. When he puts it down, he lies, lies, (laughs) lies. Lion Ted. (laughs) But Ted Cruz and Donald Trump have kind of become friends and allies. And on Ted Cruz's podcast, he talked about this ridiculous Department of Justice going after Donald Trump. Water is wet, the sky is blue, grass is green, there's cocaine in the Biden White House, (laughs) and Jack Smith and Merrick Garland are engaged in a political vendetta. Yes, 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 hell yes, this is election interference. Anyone who's surprised, it was obvious that Smith was going to go after Donald Trump. It was obvious that he's going to try to indict Donald Trump. It is obvious because that is his mission. Why? Because he is engaged in election interference, because his objective is to try to defeat Donald Trump in November of next year, and he's going to use every machinery of the Department of Justice to try to do so with Merrick Garland's enthusiastic cheerleading alongside. Not only that, but they're going to paint Trump supporters as people that uh, supported overthrowing the government in 2020. They supported some sort of coup or some sort of insurrection. All the millions of people who voted for Donald Trump, they're putting you all in the same basket, as Hillary once called it, the basket of deplorables, that feel like you are the same type of person, if given the opportunity, would have stormed into the Capitol, broke windows, smeared poop on the walls, and done all the things. They think all of you are the same. Now, Clay Travis, he does a nationally syndicated radio program. Uh, He's the founder of OutKick. He jumped on Fox News earlier today with kind of an interesting theory about the Democrats and Donald Trump. And I understand some people don't really buy into this, but I think you have to contemplate what do Democrats want the most to win and maintain the presidency, either with Joe Biden or someone else. And what they see, I think, purely from a political perspective is every time charges are brought against Trump, it strengthens him in the Republican primary 
but it weakens him in the mind of the Democrats in the general. So I think the calculus that Democrats are following here is Trump charges make him more likely to be the nominee. They want him in the ring. They want him as the Republican nominee because they think they can beat him because suburban women and the people who turned against Trump in particular in 2020 are not going to change their minds in the Democrat calculus by 2024. That's something generally we've been talking about for weeks now is that the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump in the general election. Right. We have been saying for a long time on this program, Ron DeSantis can beat Joe Biden in a general election. But it looks like Ron DeSantis cannot beat Donald Trump in the primary. We've seen, whether you agree with it or not, scoreboard, I guess, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump already. So if you're the Democrats, you're hoping, like what Clay Travis said right there, that the same women that voted against Donald Trump in 2020, the same people in Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Milwaukee that didn't like Donald Trump in 2020 still don't like him today. Is that tinfoil hat material, what Clay said, or do you understand? No, 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 I, 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 totally, I, I totally get it. Although, I'm just, I'm still not 100% there on, on the theory that Donald Trump will lose to Joe Biden in, in, in a general election, just given the fact that Joe Biden is just off a cliff in terms of his mental acuity. And people see that. I mean, Democrats, The Atlantic, New York Times, all these left wing rags have Politico all talked about how Biden is too old that he should step aside. And maybe for an independent or somebody sitting on the fence that, oh, I don't know, I voted for Trump in 2016, but I definitely voted for Biden in 2020. 2024, do I want to vote for Biden again? He's he's really old, and, and I just, I, I'm not 100% buying into the theory that the Democrats think, or, or at least Donald Trump will lose to Joe Biden in a general election. I guess I'm not 100% in on that line of thinking, but I understand it. I know where Clay Travis is coming from. And you're right. There are going to be some of those people that were Trump 16, Biden 20, and go back to Trump in 2024 if he's the nominee. You're right. But is there enough of those people, enough of those people who had buyer's remorse, if you will, in 2020 to where you could win some of these states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona. These are all states in play that perhaps another candidate other than Donald Trump could easily win, but because people just have it in their head to go out and vote against Donald Trump because orange man bad, and it's been beat over people's head for a number of years now, that's the question. Are there enough of those people that have buyer's remorse that can flip a couple of these swing states? Heather writes to us on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. Biden beat Trump with dementia from a basement and has outraised Trump. Um, so, I mean, there was, look, I'm not going to say there's enough evidence for, there was no evidence to overturn an election, but there was definitely some shenanigans going on. 
Joe Biden got more votes than Barack Obama. And we're told by the Democrats that the second coming of the Messiah is former President Barack Hussein Obama. And you're going to tell me that Joe Biden, who during the campaign looked at a black reporter and said, you ain't black, (laughs) got more votes than Barack Obama. It's interesting. I mean, Donald Trump has been trying to prove that wrong for a number of years and hasn't been able to do it. But listen, I just don't know if folks in those swing states, those states we rattled off that he lost, I don't know if there's enough of people that have that buyer's remorse. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's do Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Some booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One, One more. more. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Oh, it's in here, you're I love this man. This uh, this veteran is celebrating his 104th birthday. Right? Awesome. And he says he's gotten this far without taking any medication in his life, and was helped along by. Well, I'll just let Arthur here tell you how he's made it this long in life. People always say, well, what do you attribute to? And I always say, well, I have two good friends. Oh, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah those are my two good friends. <laughs> they helped me along. <laughs> good for Arthur, man. What an so, awesome dude. Thank you for your service, Arthur, 104 years old, due to his friends Jim Beam and Jack Daniels, which reminds me, of course, of the line in Christmas Vacation after the squirrel and the dog tore the house apart. All our holidays were always such a mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you get through it? I had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny because it's like, you know, guys that old, like there's just some people that have been drinking and smoking all their life and, and eating awful, you know, bacon every day. And not a thing in the world is wrong with them. They've lived, they've outlived people that have lived the most healthiest lifestyles ever. Like I remember my buddy, his grandma, he would smuggle vodka into his grandma into the nursing home because they didn't allow alcohol. Well, sure. I mean, her, he, he nicknamed her DUI granny because she got like a <laughs> DUI at 87 years old. Goodness and gracious. So, so, <clears throat> but she had been drinking vodka all her life and she thought it was ridiculous that she wasn't allowed to, in her facility to have booze and my buddy was doing the right thing being a good grandson and sneaking that vodka right into right into granny's room man she lives that long yeah. she's earned the of right course. to have a little sip of something something of course hey uh before we hit a break here if you need a reason to drink tonight this is booze news it's the birthday of actor anthony edwards oh yeah 61, I believe. So let me ask you this, Nige. Is Anthony Edwards best known as Goose from Top Gun, Mm -hmm. Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds, or that guy from ER? Oh, wow, 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 wow. That's tough. With about 10 seconds left here. I would say Goose, Top Gun, although ER was a huge, huge show and a huge hit. I know him best as Gilbert. Yes. You and I associate with Gilbert, but most people say Goose. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! 
Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Sorry, uh, Hammer, I was late getting on the uh, microphone there. I want to say happy birthday to my beautiful uh, mother-in-law. Oh, all Linda. right. Linda. It's her birthday today. It was just, uh, I, we were going to the Hibachi Grill there in Whitestown later after we get off the air. I was just putting in my order with my wife because I have to get there a little bit late. So Mimi is, uh, I won't say her age. I'll be polite. She's 21. She's 21 years old. And she is the best. Uh, she, we, we wouldn't be able to function without her. So happy birthday, Linda. We love you. Now, uh, while Trump was on with Hannity last night, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, uh, trailing Trump in the polls because running for uh, president of the United States, running for that Republican nomination. Ron went on with old Jake Tapper of CNN. And this was a pretty interesting conversation. And to his credit and rare acts of journalism, Jake Tapper didn't act like an activist. Jake Tapper wasn't Caitlin mm. Collins during that conversation with Donald Trump, where she was trying to fact check him, fact check him yeah. in real time. So here's a little bit of that conversation. If you watched Trump on Hannity last night, perhaps you missed Ron DeSantis on with Jake Tapper. Here he is discussing the justice system. Uh, this country is going down the road of criminalizing political differences. And I think that's wrong. Alvin Bragg stretched a statute in, in Manhattan to be able to try to target Donald Trump. Most people, even people on the left, acknowledge if that wasn't Trump, that case would not have likely been brought uh, against a normal civilian. And so you have a situation where the Department of Justice, FBI, uh, have been weaponized uh, against people they don't like. And the number one example of that happened to be against Donald Trump with the Russia collusion. Uh, that was not a legitimate investigation that was being done to try to drive Trump out of office. And so what I've said as president, my job is to restore a single standard of justice to end weaponization of these agencies. We're going to have a new FBI director on day one. Uh, we're going to have big changes at the Department of Justice. Americans across the political spectrum need to have confidence that what is going on is based on the rule of law, not based on what political tribe you're in. The first 30 seconds were fluff. The ending is all I care about. Tell me what you're yeah. going to do day one. And I guess, Nigel, I guess I just don't understand the fascination of people wanting to hear Ron DeSantis's thoughts on Donald Trump. Because a lot of people want to hear that, and I, I just don't get it. It gets clicks. It gets attention. Trump's a polarizing figure. He was the president of the United States. And the unprecedented uh, steps of indicting uh, a former president over pure garbage is, is something of interest to people. I think it's interesting, again, that... DeSantis is now defending Donald Trump when he was asked about those initial charges from Alvin Bragg. If you remember what DeSantis said, he blew him off and said, yeah, I really don't know anything about hush money payments from uh, porn stars, you know, and it was kind of a flip cavalier attitude, which he probably should have said was uh, Donald Trump is a constituent. He lives in Florida. I will do everything to make sure that he, he does, you know, doesn't have to be, ex you know, just he could have said any number of things. Even though Trump went after him, he probably should have went that route. But now he is defending Donald Trump. And again, Jake Tapper, like everybody else, apparently on CNN, wanted Ron DeSantis's thoughts on the current legal situation yeah. of Donald Trump.
This country needs to have a debate about the country's future. If I'm the nominee, we'll be able to focus on President Biden's failures, and I'll be able to articulate a positive vision for the future. I don't think it serves us good to have a presidential election focused on what happened four years ago uh, in January. And so I want to focus on looking forward. I don't want to look back. I, I do not want to see him. I hope he doesn't get charged. I don't think it'll be good for the country. Uh, but at the same time, I've got to focus on looking forward, and that's what we're going to do. And that's what Ron DeSantis has to say in that first debate. The first debate, because it's the first one, it's something new at the time, will always have the most eyeballs on it. Whether or not Donald Trump is there or not, that's what Ron DeSantis has to do. Talk about what you're going to do day one. Talk about how the country has to move forward and has to stop worrying about what happened in 2020. If Ron DeSantis is successful at doing that in the first debate, maybe he gets a little bump in the polls. Here's a little bit more of that conversation on CNN last night. We watched this crap so you don't have to. Ron DeSantis on the current state of the United States military. Well, why do we have the worst recruiting uh, that we've had since the Vietnam conflict? Uh, why have great warriors being driven off, such as with the COVID-19 shot mandates? These were people that had been performing admirably. A lot of them had had COVID. They had natural immunity. They were told, take this shot or leave. So I think you've had a big problem uh, with morale. You clearly have a problem with recruiting. And at this levels, everybody has acknowledged these recruiting levels are at a crisis. Why is that the case? Uh, I think it's because people see the military losing its way, not focusing on the mission and focusing on a lot of these other things, which, man, we see that in other aspects of society as well. People want to join the military, I think, because they think it's something different. And I think some of the civilian leaders in the military are trying to have the military mimic corporate America academia, that's ultimately not going to work. Yeah, I mean, the military, there's aspects of the military that are ridiculous and that they're being injected with this woke ideology. And I'll give you a perfect example. There's a memo that just went out the transgender soldiers receiving hormone therapy can avoid deployment for as many as 300 days. This according to the Department of Defense memo in 2023, sort of outlining treatment for um, for transgender soldiers. And that's just one example. <laughs> like if, I'm, if I'm thinking about entering the military and wait, trans soldiers in the military can avoid deployment if you're experiencing homo, uh, hormone therapy, receiving hormone therapy, and maybe even top and bottom surgeries. Who's going to pay for that? That's, that's just one example of what he's talking about there. Whether it's DeSantis or Trump, whoever the Republican nominee is, if indeed the stars align and they win the presidential election, think about all the changes they have to make on day one, because you have to fire some of these ridiculous woke military generals. You have to fire the attorney general. You have to fire the FBI director. You have to fire the press secretary. There's a lot of house cleaning, and it needs to be full house cleaning. That's the big mistake Donald Trump didn't do last time. When he won the presidency in 2016, he came in, he left a lot of people in place. You've got to blow these people out and have a list of people ready to go to replace them on day one. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty free. 
I'm far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Hammer, are you okay with this? Drama with the new Barbie movie. Oh, no. Florida Representative Matt Gates and his wife, Ginger, went to a viewing of the Barber, uh, I'm sorry, the Barbie movie. But after watching the film, Ginger came out and said she was disappointed by its values and slammed star Ryan Gosling's, quote, beta energy. And one of the things Gates' wife said was it shows a, quote, unfortunate portrayal of big dreams causing anxiety instead of inspiration. Problems with the Barbie movie, Hammer, are you okay with this? I think we're overthinking <laughs> the damn Barbie movie just a little bit. No, I'm not okay with this because it feels like if you're going to look at movies that way, because that's what we do now in society, right? You find some sort of message, you know. <laughs> you could go back to any movie and do the same thing, whether it's a dude's type of movie. Let's say The Hangover, right? The sure. message of The Hangover would be, <laughs> you know, women are strippers and women are things and they're horrible Objects. people. They're objects. And then you could do the same thing with chick flicks, right? Um, what's that one movie where it has... Cameron Diaz and Kate Upton and Leslie Mann. I think it's called The Other Woman, right? Oh, sure, yeah. The message yeah. there is that guys will try to hold you back and they're all cheating scumbags. I mean, you could find any movie and try to look at it that way. I mean, hell, Tina Turner just passed away recently. The late, great Tina Turner. If you look at what's love got to do with it, the way that we're breaking down the Barbie movie here, <laughs> it's that men are violent. Violent, and they're going to try to hold you down instead of an uplifting movie about somebody who made the best of a situation here. It depends on how you look at it, right? Well, we were having a discussion about this movie with our executive producer and boss, Matt Hiblin. I said, you know, my wife is planning on taking my daughter to see Barbie this weekend. Which, by the way, just a side note, they're saying Barbie could have a $100 million opening. And are people weekend. still going to see Oppenheimer after that? Because Barbenheimer is a thing. <laughs> I can't wait. That's to happening. See, I can't wait to see Oppenheimer. But he's like, look, your daughter's going to come back thinking that all men are stupid and oppressive, and therefore, you know, she's going to start rolling her eyes every time I speak. And I'm like, she does that to me already. <laughs> right. You know, it so kind of not... just depends on how you look at the movie, right? Take the old movie, Fatal Attraction. Remember the 80s movie, oh, Fatal yeah. Attraction? Michael Douglas. Women yeah. will say that's a movie about how horrible men are, and men expect women to just be playthings. And men will view that movie as look at this bat crap, crazy, <laughs> lunatic woman. It kind of depends on how you look at the movie. But whether it's an all-dude film or an all-chick film, there's going to be these types of messages if you really bend yourself in a pretzel and try to find it. I think we're overthinking the Barbie movie. As long as we're not trying to groom the kiddos, I'm okay with it, okay? Uh, but I don't really know much about this movie, and I won't be seeing it. And I told my wife, she's like, do you want to come with us this weekend? I go, you guys have fun. Yeah, Ken's not masculine enough. <laughs> Who was expecting masculinity from Ken in the first place? All right, a Burger King employee in South Carolina facing serious charges. Wait until you hear what this employee did. 
Police say Jamie Major, a 39-year-old assistant manager, took fries out of the trash can and then dumped them on top of the fresh fries before serving them to customers. She's been arrested, charged with felony malicious tampering with human food, which carries a potential sentence of up to 20 years in prison. Are you okay with this? So let me get this straight. If you take French fries on top of a trash can and you serve those to the public, you could get 20 years. But if you beat a pregnant woman in Indianapolis in front of children, you'll serve one day in jail. I just want to make sure I've got the justice system down here. Is that how this is playing out? That possibly is the scenario, yes. No, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with anything in the story. (laughs) I don't want the Burger King employee serving crappy food to people that's been in the trash? Of course not. But a felony of 20 years? The Burger King employee (laughs) is going to serve more time behind bars than the scumbag that ultimately took the life of the Marion County Sheriff's deputy this week when he beat the pregnant woman before he ultimately killed her. No, this is ridiculous. See, this is why people always want to have, quote, a conversation about the justice system. It should be common sense, right? You may serve a day or two in jail, whatever. You get a big fine. These are the people you give the ankle monitors to. These people. You don't give them to the violent criminals like we do here in Indianapolis. I'm sorry. I'm not okay with that. No. I worked at Burger King, my first job there in Brownsburg, uh, some years Years ago, I'll probably wind up working there again someday. Um, <laughs> and uh, I do remember uh, somebody I worked with. They used to serve shrimp, and they were really good too, like fried shrimp, man, at Burger King. And I remember, but you were only allowed to put as many. It was made to order, right? And you weren't allowed to make more than it was made to order. Okay. So one of the shrimp dropped on the floor, and a five-second rollie picked it back up and put it in the basket. I mean, or we would have had to sit there for another three minutes and cook up a whole new batch of shrimp. So, so he didn't serve 20 years in prison? He didn't have a felony <laughs> no, charge? Nobody, no, the police were not called. I, uh, we all kept their mouth shut, just looked the other way. I mean, that's a ridiculous yeah, 20 charge. Years, 20 years is, is pretty Look pretty at some crazy. of the horrible people uh, that are out that don't serve hardly any time at all, and they're threatening this guy with 20 years? I mean, Hunter Biden had smoked crack, had sex with hookers, gun charges, possibly trading influence for money, for peddling the family name. Not and paying his taxes. Burger King employees are going to go to you for 20 years. All right, one more here. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Josh Hawley going to unveil a bill to bar executive branch members and lawmakers from owning stock in individual companies. Look at this. Both sides of the aisle coming together here, Hammer. Are you okay with this? Yes. I love this, actually, because let's be honest. I'm sure that Senator Gillibrand hates Josh Hawley. And I'm pretty confident Josh Hawley hates Senator Gillibrand here. But they got together and said, why are the Pelosi's continuing to do insider (laughs) trading and make all of this ridiculous money? No, that's a horrible thing. And this is the way Washington should work. This is the way that it used to be. Now, I'm not saying Washington's 
been perfect because let's be honest, it no, hasn't. Please. But back in the day, you at least had Republicans and Democrats going out to drinks together. You had Republicans and Democrats playing pickup basketball games together to talk about ways to make the country better. This is what I'm talking about. This is what people want to see. Uh, Gillibrand and Hawley coming together to say, yeah, these folks making millions of dollars on insider trading, that's a problem. So, yes, I'm okay with this. I'd love to see more of it as long as it's on the up and up, right? I don't want to see some wishy-washy Republican working with a Democrat flamethrower and it end up being a crappy bill that only favors one side. The only thing I really know about Gillibrand is her, her speaking of crappy, her campaign to get the Democratic nomination for Ooh. President of the United States. She was just awful. Who had a worse campaign? Gillibrand or Josh, I'm sorry, or Eric Swalwell? Oh, don't make me choose. Uh, yeah, I think Swalwell probably was worse. But, I mean, McGillivan, I love the, like, it, she was in a gay bar and somebody, she had a pride shirt on and she did a shot of tequila. And after she did the shot, she goes, gay rights, gay rights. <laughs> Is that Uh, that more embarrassing or laughable? You know, that level of pandering? Or the fact that (laughs) Eric Swalwell is best known for two things sleeping with a Chinese spy and farting Farting on on TV. TV. Yes. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest at the DriveHubler.com hotline. Tony Kennett is an investigative reporter for the Daily Signal. In a past life, he was a longtime STEM educator here in Indy. Tony, let's keep it here in Indy. You were on air with me last week, the same day that Jefferson Shreve, the Republican, mayoral candidate rolled out his plan for public safety in Indianapolis. And basically, his plan for guns is the same as Joe Hawksett's. He threw Joe Hawksett a lifeline, even though he was drowning uh, in a lake here. I'm curious, you've had a couple days now to sit back, digest everything. Are you still as fired up as I am? I am. And in fact, there are several others around the nation who are amazed uh, that we're at a point where the Indiana GOP has basically been silent about this guy trying to say, well, it's just such a small part of his policy. Really, if you look at the rest of his policy, it's really good. Sure, this one area is very infected and covered in cancerous pussy boils, but (laughs) the rest of his policy is very Republican. And now they're doing the lesser of two evils thing as well, which is, well, he's he's better than Hogsett. In what way? In what way is one man who wants to ban guns better than the other man who wants to ban guns? I wasn't aware that my Second Amendment rights were up for discussion in the great state of Indiana. And the thing that people need to understand, and this is why I'm so fired up, it's not because I'm so anti-Jefferson Shreve. It's totally the opposite. I'm anti-Joe Hogsett. And this was a guy that I thought had a puncher's chance at beating Joe Hogsett because he's got the resources, because he's Mr. Moneybags. I I was this close to putting the Shreve yard sign at Casa de Hammer, <laughs> and when you heard Joe Hogsett roll out his plan, 
the first thing that came to my mind was, well, that's never going to become the law. He's grasping at straws. He's throwing a Hail Mary. And what does Shreve do? He says, well, by God, that's a great idea, and sucks all of the life right out of the room and blames law-abiding citizens like you, Tony, like myself, for the problems in Indianapolis. I can't give someone my vote that feels that way. So, this is the funny part, because really, I've done an entire week's worth of investigation, because I will have an article coming out about this, but I wanted to make sure that I did all the research to find out where on God's green earth did this idea come from, because you could say, well, he's trying to appeal to moderate Democrats. Among Democrats, Hogsett's anti-gun policy is his least popular policy that polls with those voters. So it's not that. You could say, well, he's trying to appeal to moderate Republicans. Well, the most moderate Republicans in the Indiana GOP are in the diversity group run by Whitley Yates. And apparently from insiders that I have in that group, they were begging him days before his announcement not to do that nonsense. You know, don't whatever you do, don't come out with that policy. Really? So at this point, yeah. So with all of these people telling him it's a bad move, at what point did he have his head so far up his own ass that he's unwilling <laughs> to listen to the person next to him that says, this is a really bad idea. Indiana is a very pro to a state. We just hosted the NRA convention for God's sakes. Are you seriously telling me that you think you're going to pull voters with banning AR 15s? Really? Let me ask you this. Uh, we're speaking with Tony Kennett from the daily signal. Uh, did you ever see that ridiculous uh, ad campaign against Jefferson Sharif that the uh, Hogsett people put out? He is pro to a, he's conservative. <gasps> he is like, it was all this stuff that, that they were all qualities and virtues that you would want in a Republican mayor. And they, they were acting as if it were the, the worst thing in the world. Did that attack ad have anything yes. to yeah, do was with it. this? From, from my investigation, Investigations and also an insider in his campaign who's becoming more fed up with Shreve the Munchkin. Uh, this seems to be what we are coming to. So uh, apparently, we have Republicans in Indiana who are so terrified that Democrats might accuse them of supporting the U.S. Constitution and its Bill of Rights that it's enough to change public policy. Now, I want to make this clear. If you're out there listening to the Hammer and Nigel show today and you want to run for office, you want to get involved in politics, step number one is not to give a star-spangled wooden nickel about what your opponents think of you. Don't pay attention to their ads. Don't pay attention to their accusations because the only people it is going to help is your opponents. Let everyone who supports you worry about whatever they're accusing you of. You run the race. You represent your people because as you've seen with Shreve and you saw with Sue running for mayor and Carmel's from the Republican side and many other Republican candidates around the state. When you pander to the left, you lose Indiana. Do people remember what state they're running it? Like, have we really just become some blase blob of a state that no one has any Hoosier pride anymore? Really? So you mentioned earlier that uh, some folks that you have connections with were begging Jefferson Shreve not to do this. Well, he went ahead and did it anyway. I have heard from a number of people around Central Indy that they don't really want to have anything to do with Jefferson Shreve right now. What are you hearing, Tony? What are your sources from Marion County GOP, Indiana GOP, insiders? What are they saying right now? Well, first of all, the average man on the street is worth far more than any of the groups that you just listed. The Indiana GOP proper, so the statewide organization, has a bunch of people inside tearing their hair out. Uh, several people that I've talked to basically said they are trying to desperately see if they can salvage anything out of this, and it's not happening. Uh, members inside the, the Marion County GOP, I 
I, I really don't want to go into too much detail because a lot of things were said in confidence, but everyone is in agreement that this was a very bad move by Shreve. And it is going to be, it was going to be a, a mountain climb before to win this election, but there was a chance. Now this is like, uh, you know, putting someone in a broken down car and telling them to drive up Everest backwards. It ain't going to happen. And he only has himself to blame, you know, giving Twitter messages from his fancy, expensive million dollar paneled walled home instead of out actually talking to the people he claims he's running for. It is the most botched mayoral candidacy I have seen in ages. And we're only a couple miles south from Chicago. They have botched mayoral races as the the norm there. I guess we're importing those to here. (laughs) They lock people up on the norm in Chicago that are uh, public officials. How many governors have served behind bars? They ought to call Ryan Mears. He'll get anybody out of jail for just a few dollars. (laughs) I I think it's... I, I think. Sharif should double down, triple down, and not only ban uh, the guns, but he should just ban crime in general in Marion County. That's a I great mean, idea. What a strategy! I mean, ban what- murder. <laughs> and we should post uh, we should post signs up that say that murder is illegal, so that right when someone's about to get murderous, they say, "Oh wait, there's that sign." We'll put and some putting learned, greens yeah. down <laughs> here at Monument Circle. We'll lay the putting greens down and make it a murder-free zone. But, but my my point is that platform of we're going to ban crime in the city has about just as much teeth as we're going to ban guns and raise the limit in, in Marion County, raise the age limit in Marion County. It has no teeth. It'll never so, happen. It's not only that it has no teeth, it's that they're not actually listening to the voters about how they want crime to be stopped in Indianapolis. No one's actually going up to the members that live on the east side uh, who live in the, the inner city west side and asking them, hey, there's all this crime around you. How would you stop it? What would make you feel more safe? They don't. They call their special interest group and some Republican 572 miles away says, well, have you considered writing the series of policies instead of actually <laughs> talking to people who feel unsafe every evening? When people are out walking after dark in Indianapolis, you're courting a death sentence. And does Shreve talk to any of them? No, he sends out a video from his mansion. AR-15, as though when you and I hammer, when we walk the circle, when I come in and do a show with you, as if we see people walking around with AR-15 strapped to their back. Right. The constitutional carry thing is the one part of this whole thing that really fires me up the most. Because, again, I'm a law-abiding dude. I do everything right. I pay my taxes, I take care of my family, if I want to protect myself or protect my family and use my 2A right to have constitutional carry, why am I labeled the problem downtown when there's a homeless guy around the corner taking a dump in the fountain, and we've seen people like Guy Relford, the big, strong gun guy, accosted before? So this is the core question that I would ask any Republican candidate. What do you think? And I was told that we after I went on with you, Hammer, and we I said that the GOP should have vetted this guy. They said, well, we couldn't vet him. What were we supposed to do? OK, here's here's the answer. Ask him this question. Why do we have a Second Amendment? Why do we have a Second Amendment? The answer is not for hunting. The answer is not to protect your home if a burglar breaks in. The answer is to protect your rights, your constitutional liberties, 
from any individual, foreign or domestic, including governmental officials or criminals on the street. That is why we have firearms. It's not to protect my right to hunt deer out by Lafayette. No, it's not. And the founders didn't intend for that. The founders own privately owned cannons and, and gunboats, for crying out loud. It's to protect yourself against adversaries, both on the street and from government tyranny. That's what it's for. If Shreve doesn't believe that, he has no business being on a Republican ticket. Oh, he just turned off the radio. When you started rattling off uh, why we need the Second Amendment, Second Amendment, he turned off the radio. There's no way that dude wanted to hear that. You sent me a tweet uh, early today. You texted this link to me that one of your colleagues at the Daily Signal, um, the White House, trying to take away their credentials. What's going on? So the White House is now beginning a process at the end of the month in which they will choose and approve which journalists, quote unquote, are allowed to report at the White House, to report at Congress. So Fred Lucas, who's a colleague of mine and a very fine reporter, uh, has been reporting at the White House for over 14 years. So if the White House decides that he doesn't qualify as a as an accredited journalist because we're associated with the Heritage Foundation, then he will be banned from being in the press pit. He will be a journalist that is forbidden to come in because the White House does not like him. Now, you can bet that it's not just going to be MSNBC and CNN and, and Fox News yeah. journalists at the White House. It's also going to be people from publications like Vox and uh, HuffPost, if it's still open, and many other far left-wing publications that are funded directly by the DNC. And they're going to be allowed in just fine. It's a very, very scary, slippery slope to start saying which journalists the government approves of and does not approve of. That is a direct violation of the First Amendment, and the government should have no business telling someone that they don't qualify as a journalist to come ask questions of our decrepit, dementia-ridden president. Of course, I mean, KJP, the White House press secretary, never answers any questions anyway, so uh, it might all no, be... No, no, she's, she's too busy <laughs> yeah. telling everyone how historic she is and how wonderfully <laughs> amazing she is for uh, having genitals, so that that's her claim to fame. There's a couple minutes left here with Tony Kennett from The Daily Signal. Your uh, overall thoughts on the performance of one Mike Pence, Asa Hutchinson, and others at that presidential forum hosted by Tucker Carlson on Friday. I texted Tucker right after that and said that was the most beautiful display of pimp smacking that I've seen <laughs> in ages. And uh, he, he texted me back and said that he, he was having a great time. That, that was what he It he, did he look like he was back. having fun. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I've I've been on this since the beginning. I think that a lot of the comments that that Mike Pence made were taking taken a little bit out of uh, a little bit out of context. However, he did make it very clear that he does value uh, fighting in Ukraine as much as he values governing in the United States, and that is very unpopular with Americans right now. People want to know why we are in Ukraine and what our objectives are. What are we doing with Ukraine? Uh, and that is the first step to actually providing any account. Most Americans don't want anything to do with Ukraine. They say it's not our war. And regardless of whether you're more of a war hawk conservative or more of a traditional conservative or a libertarian, you're still accountable and responsible to your voters. And when you don't give them specific outlines of what needs to be done, and you can't justify why you want to send a bunch of tanks over to the Ukraine, while our military is currently struggling with serious underfunding issues, as well as a host of other problems, is kind of a really, it's kind of a hard sell to make, and you're not doing yourself any favors. I, I 
I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I do not know for the life of me why Pence chose to run. He has enough money. There's no way he's going to make it anywhere near even the vice president's slot again. There's no point at all for him to be doing this. Uh, this just seems like a, an exercise in sadism. I will say this, and I know we got to run here, but what I loved about Tucker Carlson was he was critical to Republicans. You're not going to see that on CNN. They're not going to be critical of anybody in the Biden administration. MSNBC, not going to be critical of anybody in the Biden administration. Here at WIBC and Tucker Carlson, I feel like we're equal opportunity. If you screw up, we will bring the heat to you, regardless of party. Um, What are you working on at the Daily Signal, Tony? Uh, I've got a couple investigations coming out. Uh, I'm almost finished, actually, looking into some of Shreve's shenanigans and also taking a look at how his numbers are are dropping rapidly, uh, including a photo that I have of of Shreve Yard signs sticking out of uh, trash bins around the city. So it's going to get interesting. Uh, You'll want to catch every minute of it. Tony Kennett, The Daily Signal. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.